Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. You know, it is one thing to experience disappointment and feel the disappointment in that moment. But if this becomes a chronic experience, we're just going through one disappointment after the other, then that, those feelings become toxins in our body, which results in illnesses. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello sunshine. How brightly are you shining today? I'm having a pretty good week myself. Lots of interesting things coming up. Don't you just love it when you wake up looking forward to your day? I love that feeling of just being alive, of loving every minute of my life. It is a privilege to live being able to feel like this, but it should be how all of us get to live our lives. You should really be living your best life, not tomorrow, not in the future, but right now. Today in this moment. All we really have is the present moment because the past is behind us, finished and completed, while the future has not even happened yet. Now we can't change the past and we may never know what is going to happen in the future, but we do have control over our present. That's where our power lies. Now let's stop for a minute and consider our present. Our now is a creation of our past, of the history that we carry in our genetics, from our ancestors in our DNA. William Shakespeare said, "The sins of the father are to be laid upon the children." In The Merchant of Venice, though the concept of the sins of the fathers appears in the Bible as well. The idea being that the sins from one generation passes down to the next through our ancestors. It is in our very DNA that we find our karmic baggage or the crimes of our past, and that is where it's hidden. And this concept that we're going to explore today of transgenerational healing suggests that there are unresolved issues from previous generations that manifest in our lives in the present as challenges that are either hard to avoid or even more difficult to overcome. I learned about this idea of karmic baggage or transgenerational trauma through a workshop that I hosted in Dubai many many years ago, which is where I met 
Usha, who is a teacher, trainer, and coach, and also our guest today. Her credentials include Reiki Grandmaster, Past Life Regression Therapist, a rebirther, and she's currently very popular in the field of transgenerational healing. Usha has been working with people from all over the world, assisting them both individually and in groups to convert, as she says, every breakdown into a breakthrough. She holds a master in psychology and counseling and a PhD in alternative medicine. She is also the founder and co-founder of personal development centers Pink Mist Retreat in India and Mishkat in Dubai. So let's revisit the ghosts of our family's past together and learn more about this fascinating technique of transgenerational healing from our guest Usha. Welcome to the Project Loving Myself podcast. Thank you so much, Sanaya. So happy to be here and be with you, especially. We uh, we go back such a long way and especially in the context of transgenerational healing, we've done a lot of work together. So very happy to be here. Absolutely, Usha. And you know, over it's been more than a decade I think since I've known you, and in all this time, I've had some amazing conversations with you where we've talked about, you know, the past, the future. We've talked about baggage. We've talked about family dynamics. I mean, there's so much that I have learned from you and experienced with you through this technique that you practice of transgen. So I'm really excited to kind of bring this knowledge to our guests today. I don't normally go very deep into a particular like healing technique, but I thought that this would be a great topic to explore because it's something I feel like it's very relevant to a lot of people. They just don't understand it or they don't know how it plays out in their lives. So I'm really looking forward to kind of learning more about transgender healing in a way that will sort of benefit our listeners. So let's start with that, Usha. What exactly is transgenerational healing in layman's terms? How would you explain it? As the name suggests, transgenerational itself means something that is getting transferred through generations of the family. And, you know, we recognize it and we accept it as very normal when we identify traits that are common between the ancestors and the family, you know, physical traits, what we call as hereditary. The way one looks, the color of the skin, the texture of the hair, the color of the eyes, all of these are recognized as being transferred through the generations of one's family. So everything is in that context transgenerational at one level. When we talk about healing in particular, we are referring to trauma, essentially trauma that has been experienced by the ancestors in the family that did not find closure or healing in their own lifetime. So as much as genetics and cellular uh, transference is acknowledged, what we stop short of acknowledging that trauma too gets transferred. And trauma experienced by earlier generations of the family, which have not been healed, gets transferred. And it is very possible that uh, one of us in the, that is the, existing generation of that family is now uh, holding that trauma and this is playing out uh, through their lives so usha it's kind of like when you had a bad relationship in your past right like a bad romantic relationship and there was maybe some 
issues there, some pain, some difficult uh, memories there. And then it affects every single relationship you have after that, because now maybe your trust is broken, or maybe you're afraid of falling in love, or you're afraid the person is going to reject you. So you carry all of that from a previous relationship, and it kind of affects your behavior, and even maybe the outcome in your subsequent relationships, right? And But we're in transgenerational healing, we're talking about that but in the context of like generations, like things that happened with our ancestors that we are holding as trauma through the DNA, through the genes. And it shows up in our life as a difficulty that sometimes we can't really understand why we have to go through this. Is that, would you say that's correct? Yeah. So when it happens in the context of one's own life, we know what we've been through in the past. We are aware of the experiences we've been through. And hence, we can relate to why we behave in a certain way going forward, because at somewhere we realize that we have been impacted by our previous experiences. So it kind of makes sense. And then oh, sooner or later, we work our way around the obstacles, you know. But we're in a transgenerational context, we don't have that data. And we it, it just reaches us because at, in one way or the other, we are the perfect holder of that particular kind of trauma. So it's not that we are randomly picked from the family system and we are victimized by it. In some level, we are we have a propensity for a similar kind of trauma. And why is that? Why is that, Usha? Why is it that certain individuals within like the family line so basically what we're talking about is there's a bloodline. And for some reason, one person who belongs to that family ends up holding the trauma or the issue for something that happened with the ancestors. Yes. Good question, Sanaya. So the way I understand it, the way I look at it, I believe in life as a continuum. So I believe that life doesn't end with my physical death. I'm likely to come back and continue this process of life and exploration of life in a human form. So that's my view. So in this context, there are actually two streams of energies that come together and contribute in making me who I am in this lifetime. One stream of energy is the other lives that I have lived, past lives that I've lived, and what are the energies that I am carrying forward from those experiences. So it already sets me up in a certain way based on what, whatever I have carried. So this actually, in many ways, determines the family system that I choose to be born in. Because who I am, who I have been in the past, is a perfect fit in the family that I'm born into. Hence, I also therefore have a certain propensity that I bring with me into the family. And uh, there is a great possibility then that I attract similar energies from within the family system and I become the perfect holder of a certain kind of energy. Of course, I'm mentioning trauma here, but this is true of everything, even all the gifts that we bring, the strengths, the, you know, everything, the talents, everything, it applies to all aspects. So although I have siblings and they are born into the fa same family system, if their personal journey has been different, then they are less likely to draw into their life a, a particular kind of uh, energy, which I am more likely to draw. 
because it is also impacted. So what you're saying is some of us identify with our family in certain ways that make us bear the energy or bear the pattern, the trauma from our ancestors. So it's not random. There is some kind of method behind it that we may not understand. But definitely, as you said, we do choose our family on some level. We know what we're getting into before we come into this life. And we sort of anticipate that these are going to be our lessons to learn. And for some reason, it's connected to our family. And this is kind of simplifying it, but in a nutshell. Absolutely. Absolutely. This could also be our experience in the family, being in the family in this lifetime, you know, how we develop and evolve. Through the years of our growing up, we kind of develop a personality in one sense. And that also determines what energy comes into us, what we end up holding on behalf of the family. So we could get this in both terms. Yeah. So, for example, if my ancestors went through a lot of financial ruin and I grow up with my parents constantly telling me money doesn't grow on trees, you know, it's so hard to make money. So they're always talking about the difficulty associated with money. So there's like a sense of lack I might be growing up with. Plus, my ancestors had some issues with financial, you know, success in in their time. Then probably I'm going to grow up and attract or go through some kind of financial challenges myself, which can be traced back all the way to my ancestors' experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the same scenario, your sibling may not have that preoccupation with finances. And therefore, he or she will not end up being the holder of this energy from this family. Whereas if my mind or, uh, yeah, if my mind is preoccupied with a certain aspect of life, then I'm more likely to attract the energies of that aspect into my life. And so it's a bit like influence as well, right? If I'm more influenced by my family circumstances or I identify with it more, it'll show up in my life as a problem. But maybe my brother could be a huge financial success or, you know, my other siblings, for example. Yes, absolutely. Hence, there is no way of determining what exactly. I mean, it's not something that the whole family needs to, to experience. It becomes very unique to the person and what they have attracted from the family into their own life. Yeah. Now, Usha, where is this idea of transgenerational healing actually coming from? Because I know that you learned transgenerational healing in in Europe, in Vienna, if I'm not mistaken. And we also talk about, you know, concepts of karma, which we're going to get into in this conversation, which is a very Indian concept. And you've already talked a little bit about reincarnation. So where is this idea or concept actually coming from? Is it a particular religion? Is it a, you know, is it something scientific? What What is the background? Uh, you know, this kind of work, practitioners of this kind of work see this as more scientific than science, you know? Because there's such a clear logic in the way these things happen. So um, I just want to put it out there that in my view, it is a very scientific process, whether uh, modern science sees it that way or not. Now that apart, this is actually a very ancient way of life, Sanaya. And people from all over, all cultures, all over the globe, 
the original people from each part of the world, they have always understood and respected the relationship uh, with their ancestors. Any, any ancient civilization, all of them have clear rituals, clear practices, which honor and acknowledge this relationship. And uh, so in that sense, it's a, it's a, it's all over the world. It's not anything specific to any part of, uh, the, of the world. That being said, I actually first came across this, uh, was exposed to it uh, through a facilitator from South Africa. And I did at, at one point also go and study with Bert Hellinger. I attended his workshops as well. Bert Hellinger himself, uh, Bert Hellinger is acknowledged widely as a pioneer in this form of work. It is also known as family constellation therapy, the way he uh, offers it. And he claims the roots to come from the, the tribes in South Africa, where he used to live there at one point in his life. So that's one aspect, that is one route. And of course, in India, every, you know, the rituals after the demise of an individual are uh, quite complex. They're quite complicated, running into many days. So I've had conversations with the priests who perform these rituals, and they speak about the exact same thing. They, they, it is spread over 10 to 13 days, and they're actually cleansing part by part the entire body of ancestral influences before the, as a part of the funeral process. Right. So it really comes right. from all over. Yeah. So it's it even in 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 like the Bible. Like when I was doing the research for today's interview, I found that there were a lot of references in the Bible, not just one, not just the idea of the sins of the father, which is the most commonly yes. known, but in yes. many different sections in the Bible, there are these references to this idea of our ancestors and how we reap some of what happened in their time. And yes. um, also, I'm familiar, of course, with the Indian culture. We do a lot of these different rituals in the Chinese culture. There are rituals for the ancestors' offerings that are made. So I do agree that this concept, I think, is it's there in most cultures and religion. But I think in the modern age, we've sort of forgotten about that causality like we've forgotten yes. that there's a cause and effect that can come from you know our ancestors time you know yes. and i know that attending that this the workshop with you a very like i mean think, i think that was um 2008 was the first time Eight. i did transgenerational Eight. yes 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 2000 and, no excuse me i think it was 2010 10, 10 10 usha 10? it was 2010 yes because i got 2000 Yes. 10. Yes, because I got went for, your, for the wedding. Correct. Yes. And I got married six months after the transgen workshop with you. So for, for me, it was actually a very significant experience. But over the years, we've done, you know, these workshops in Manila. We've done them in Dubai almost every month. We were running it in Dubai at one point um, at my center there. So I've seen how this understanding has really done some amazing, amazing changes in people's lives, uh, which is why I was very passionate about, you know, talking about this on, on the podcast, even though it's quite a specific 
type of uh, understanding and and maybe some of our listeners you know you might be list- you might be hearing about this for the first time ever it might sound a little bit you know crazy or a little bit strange to be discussing these things but i've really seen it the impact it's had not only on my life but on many other people who have also gone through this you know and i i also get a lot of clients as you know usha who talk mm-hmm. about patterns that have been happening from the time of their grandparents, you know, from their grandparents' grandparents, you know, things that are constantly happening in the family or situations where what our parents went through, we're going through that. And a common one is, you know, disloyalty in relationships. So I see that a lot where my client is talking about disloyalty and then, you know, where there's cheating in relationships or rejection or something. And then we go back and do a little bit of trying to understand where it's coming from and we always see that one parent at the very least has also been betrayed in relationships you know or with with like between the mother and father there's betrayal and disloyalty there and then you know we can trace it back even further and it's probably happened with another grandparent so i've seen this really happening through as you called it the family constellation or through the generations now how about your personal experience usha like do you have a particular reason why you got drawn to this to to becoming an a facilitator of this was your first experience something that made a huge impact as well tell me about your story with transgen sure it's a bit of a story but i'll share with you the highlights of it so uh, this is many years back i think the first time i was exposed to it was in 2004 or 2005 and at that point my mother was ill with cancer and i had been repeatedly telling her that you know uh, we don't know if you're going if the body is going to survive survive the illness but try and see what could have been the mental emotional toxicity that has resulted in this condition and let's try and keep it open don't in fact i used to tell her don't leave until you have understood what is that particular toxicity that has caused this for you so what you mean is usha were you already a healer at that point like did you already understand the mind body connection and therefore you figured if she has cancer there must have been some kind of negative emotion or some kind of issue that resulted in the physical cancer in her body is that where you were coming from absolutely absolutely thank you for clarifying that so yes i had already started on this journey of understanding you know the connect and also starting to work with it so it was very clear to me uh, to me that uh, there is something deeper than just uh, a physical condition so i was coming from there uh, when i was suggesting this to her so it was at that point that uh, there was uh, somebody who was visiting india visiting the city i live in hyderabad and uh, i was very curious about this process and i enrolled for the workshop and two things happened to me in that workshop one is there was that immediate connect to the process itself such a strong intuitive connect to the process itself and uh, it became very clear to me that this is what i want to be doing wow as you know i'm more of a intuitive healer it's healing is about intuition you know more than methods and techniques and so uh, i realized this capacity in me and this faculty in me uh, was pretty high in that workshop 
and I was able to participate and got selected for every session. Uh, and I was uh, I really enjoyed the process and I could see the value. So that was the first thing I identified that this was something I am going to do in my own life. Offer this. The second thing that happened was I was able to get to the root cause of my mother's illness. And it was because she was an adopted child. And this, uh, when adoption happens, very often it results in a lot of trauma in the child that is being adopted. So I realized that this was her issue. So right after the workshop, I spoke to her. It was I was in a different city, so I sat down and meditation she was already slipping and i connected to her and i told her mom this is what is your issue we have actually identified so it was very very important for me to to get there you know before she leaves the body usha i'm going to i'm going to interrupt so through the transgenerational healing workshop you felt or you realized that because your mother was adopted there were some experiences and traumas that eventually led her to developing cancer. That's right. And you were kind of explaining this to her, telling her this. why, And she was already at this point very sick, so that she didn't have much time left. That's okay. right. Okay. All right. And then, so what happened? So I just got back from the workshop and that same night, once I was back home, I sat in meditation and I had this communication with her. And I explained to her, you know, this is what has happened with you. And hence, probably, uh, this has contributed to where you are. And, um, you, you know, it was really phenomenal. It was a very, um, a very touching emotional process for me. And I think about eight hours after that, she passed away. So it was almost like she was holding on to her life until this information, you know, I shared this with her. And she passed away. And uh, so there are some events like this. It's not something that we are even trying to stop, you know, in the process of life. Death is inevitable. But being able to access this kind of information about one's own life, have access to it and heal it. And uh, for those of us who are fortunate enough to go through a process like this early on in our lives, then we really clear the way for uh, a very fulfilling, healthy life going forward. So Usha, from what I'm understanding, and this is kind of how I want to explain it, is just your mother having that understanding that this has all come from a part of her childhood that was very difficult. Just that knowledge, because of the adoption, that's where the cancer came from. It was kind of like gave her a sense of peace, maybe, or it freed her from something. That's it. And Absolutely. she did, she still did pass on because she was meant to, but at least she passed on to the light, maybe in a state of, of, of peace and maybe having closure in her life. Would you say that? I absolutely think that's the way it happened because it was a very common thread in our conversations. Uh, Ma, don't go until we find out why you got this. Don't take this baggage on to your neck because we do believe in another life after this one. And uh, so I used to keep telling her, don't take this baggage with you into the next life. Don't leave without, without closing this for yourself. So I definitely think 
I would like to believe that that communication and that and the healing that happened during the session, communication was one more part of it, but we healed it. We healed the trauma that she went through because of the adoption during the session itself. So I think it was a combination of these two, you know, uh, there was a shift in her and uh, she felt ready to leave. And definitely, I think it was a closure. That's why we say that, you know, knowledge is really power and it can really free us or liberate us from our, our past or from the baggage we carry. So Absolutely. Usha, let's, let's talk about baggage. Let's talk about like karmic baggage, which is a very important aspect of transgenerational healing. Can you explain a little bit about this concept of karma and the karmic baggage that we carry down the generations? One, Sinaya, I want to thank you for bringing up this question because I think this is something that is very relatable and scientific and it, it's the key to this whole, any healing process that we engage in. So let me share with you how I understand karma. It's a word that's kind of floating around a lot with different meanings to it. So what happens, this is the way I understand how life happens to all of us. Every time we have an encounter with life. An encounter is could be an event, could be a conversation just like this. It could be a casual conversation. It could be whatever. Whenever we have an encounter with life, all human beings, this encounter results in an emotional response. It triggers an emotional response. Many of us a lot of the time are not sensitive enough to pick up the emotions that are triggered in these encounters. Sometimes the emotions are so mild that they are under the radar. It's difficult to pick it up. And it also depends on our sensitivity. How aware are we about how we are being evoked or triggered when we have an encounter? Now, when these emotional responses are triggered in us, they stay in us until we find a channel through which they are released. So the release of an emotional response evoked by an encounter is the closure of that encounter. If we let us, if you and I are talking and at some point the conversation comes to an end, that doesn't mean that there's there has been a closure if we have not connected to all the responses that were triggered in us, that were generated in us, and we consciously release them and acknowledge at that point that now it is closed. Now, most of the times, most of us don't do this. We Sometimes we don't do it even for the big things. There's, there's, there could be some grief, there could be anger, there could be disappointment, there could be envy, uh, there could be you know, betrayal and the hurt and pain caused by it. Even the big, big ones, for various reasons, because society demands it, because our circumstances demand it, because it's not acceptable by the people around us, whatever the reasons may be, we do not express and let go these emotions. So Usha, in it, to give an example is, let's say I am having a conversation with a friend. And a friend of mine says something that hurts my feelings in the conversation. Let's say someone, a friend of mine just makes a comment. Now, in that moment, 
we rarely would pause and say, oh, wow, what she said really hurt my feelings. Why did she say that? Why do I feel hurt? We don't actually go through this process. We just kind of brush it aside and continue the conversation. And that's just a very insignificant, small example. But your point is because we don't actually like call out, call ourselves out on what we feel. We don't acknowledge it. We don't realize it. It never gets closure. It's just like as if we opened up this feeling in our body of feeling hurt, but it didn't get resolved. It's just, it's open. It's, it's like a wound, right? Yes. It's, it's a wound yes. that never got closed, you know, and maybe we even put a bandaid on it, but it never really healed. Right. Exactly. And we're exactly. collecting it in our life with yes. every experience where we feel something negative and we don't deal with it. That's right. Okay. That's right. So over the years, we have we go through so many such experiences, all of which have not been closed, and we all of that is gathering within us. It's like a live charge of a certain frequency of a certain quality. There's so many of those feelings piling up within us, and literally, we as we push it out of our mind, you know, in the name of going moving ahead or uh, just you know, not allowing it to become an interference in our everyday activity just for the sake of functionality. We push these feelings behind. We literally put them in a bag where they are not visible so that we can keep looking forward and moving ahead. And this is how the baggage comes together. The baggage is really a multitude of small, tiny, medium-sized and big-sized experiences we've had in life to which we have not brought a closure. And this baggage then becomes the charge that we carry energetically. This becomes the attractive attraction to bring in more of the same kind. And this is where science comes in a little bit. Once we have a bag full of unresolved emotions, these emotions have a life of their own because they have not been resolved. We felt a certain way and even today if we go back and really poke that incident or go back to the memories, we continue to feel that disturbance within us, you know, uh, right. when you remember a conversation right. so many years back. So these emotions are alive and when they're alive and vibrating with a certain frequency, this tends to attract more experiences of the same frequency. So like a magnet, we're attracting more experiences that make us feel the same way that we've already felt before and we're kind of carrying as our baggage. That's right. And when you say experiences, you said small, medium, and large size experiences that we've had in our past. What you're really talking about is trauma. So those are other yes. traumas that we are carrying on our own shoulders. Our, that's our backpack of like... Absolutely. Of the past baggage. Yes. yes. Essentially traumas because the good ones, the happy ones, we feel it fully. You know, we we uh, when you feel joyful, when you feel cheerful, when you feel happy, you that too could go into the bag for some. But by and large, we tend to feel it. And in feeling it fully, without any restraint, we are releasing it out of our system. So that does not constitute the baggage. The baggage is all the ones that we have not given ourselves the time or the permission to feel, right. you know, uh, for example, very common in healing circles, 
you're not allowed to have bad feelings you're not allowed to have anger you're not allowed to have fear because the expectation is that if you're in healing you don't feel these human emotions but that's not true all human beings feel all possible emotions capable of feeling all of them it comes down to how we manage them so everything that has gone into the bag then starts to attract more of the same kind and then we get into a loop and somehow despite our best efforts we are not able to attract a different experience that's the pattern that's the pattern that's the pattern and then in the context of transgenerational healing these bags when our ancestors have left and some of this comes into the family system it just comes and kind of joins the bag that we are already carrying and what do you mean usha by family system like i i understand it but for the purposes of our listeners what what is a family system why is there a family system that we are all kind of responsible for a family system is the one thing that every human being on this planet would have it really refers to a family tree you know so everyone who is born has definitely two set two parents two sets of grandparents and then on and on and on from there so this is called as a family system a family tree yes. and so everyone who is part of our family tree is contributing their own baggage to that family system which we all in subsequent in the next generations we are carrying all that baggage that they left because they never were able to feel or process or deal with and finally heal those traumas those negative Absolutely. feelings those memories yes. so yes. we inherit it we inherit it from our ancestors and we each one of us we don't necessarily carry all the baggage but there are certain types of baggage that we like to carry more than others and that becomes our baggage to carry forward absolutely and whatever is in my bag i'm going to magnetize from my family similar elements you see because i i have i have my own bag i'm already carrying and so i magnetize from the system similar uh, experiences similar emotions and if i'm sitting on a bag of unresolved anger i pull all the anger from the system into my own bag right so all your ancestors anger gets added to your own anger and now you've got a whole lot of anger issues that you have to deal with yes and then when you look around you know when you look around your reality you realize at a conscious level that there isn't that much reason for me to be this angry there's nothing that's going so wrong and i've done all the workshops or i've done all the work that i'm supposed to do at a personal level for example and that happens often at a personal level you've really taken charge of your life you've done work on yourself work with therapists work with different modalities and yet it doesn't seem to resolve so a lot of the times when if you see that happening there's a very high likelihood that you're actually you need to look into your uh, ancestors anger which is now in your bag yeah. okay and and how does it connect with karma usha like because right. karma has its own component as well yes so karma karma is merely 
one word that explains this entire process, Sanaya. Usually, the, uh, the common understanding of the word karma is as you sow, so you reap. What goes around comes around. These are the common, you know, uh, meanings attached to the word karma. But it is, it's this entire process, the process of not taking sufficient, not giving enough uh, attention to what I am going through and looking into my processes in every encounter, every time, at least when I notice it, to stay with it, to process it and release it. When I don't do that and I'm accumulating stuff in my bag, it is referred to as karmic baggage because when this bag is full, like I just said, you are likely to attract only stuff that is similar to this. So it kind of comes around to what goes around comes around. Basically, it means there's a whole lot of stuff I have not resolved, which is in my bag. So now I start to experience the, the effect of that cause. The effect being, the effect being because of my own energy vibrations, which are at a certain level, I'm only capable of attracting similar experiences into my life. That is the karmic cycle. That's what is referred to as the karmic baggage. So you said that if we have our own anger, then we pull the energy of all the anger that's in our ancestors, right? And so part of the process of transgenerational healing is going back to find out where did all this anger really start? Which ancestor? What's the story? What happened? And then that's how we go through the process of healing it so that it's no longer a problem in our own life. Right. Yeah. So why do we have to go back? Like, because there are certain issues that are really coming from our ancestors, right, more than others. So why do we have to go back to what happened to them, which was like so many generations ago, such a long time ago? Why do we have to go there to fix it? Why can't we just kind of see a therapist or work on our own anger and then have it resolved? Because you said, right, some people feel like they've done all this work, but why is it still a problem? So yeah. Why do we have to go back to the ancestors? Like, why is it our problem to fix what happened with them in an essence? Yes. I like your question, Sanaya. Very <laughs> <laughs> good, relevant, powerful questions. Yes. So there is that component, which I have already mentioned, that there is very good possibility that your work conscious of your issues, you're working with a therapist, you're working on your own issues and so on, and somehow it doesn't go away. Now, if we were to shift our attention to the ancestors, uh, it takes, your question takes me to probably the most fundamental principle on which I personally do all this work. And that is the flow of love. And let me elaborate on what I mean when I use the word love. Love is unconditional approval and unconditional support for the process of your life. Whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you are experimenting with through your life, it is approved, it is sanctioned, and you are unconditionally supported. Now, this is the understanding of the word love as I use it. Ideally, we should, this is what, we get this kind of love from two sources, ideally. 
One is from the creator. And second is from the physical creators of our life. The channel through which we have come into this life, which is our parents. So in an ideal scenario, this is the fuel that energizes and supports our life process. So we were supposed to get unconditional love from our parents and from God. And these are the two sources that gives us the energy to live our life. Absolutely. It is literally like the fuel in your car. You cannot move an inch, even in the best vehicle, if there is no fuel in that car. So whatever preparations we do with uh, for our own life through, you know, as education, college degrees, whatever platform life has given us from which we can kind of, you know, launch ourselves into our life, irrespective of all of that, if there is no energy, what I call as love, we also call it as prana. So if there is not sufficient prana or love that is reaching us, we cannot launch ourselves into our own lives successfully. So we go back to the ancestors to, uh, to see where is this flow of love blocked? Because where there is love, there is no room for most of these other toxic energies. Be it anger, be it pain, be it grief, whatever, whatever the, the toxicity from the wounds that ancestors have probably experienced. So when these are accumulated, it reduces the ability for them to transfer this quality of love. It reduces their ability to receive this quality of love from their parents because their internal space, their emotional space is now filled with all of these other experiences and emotional residue from these experiences that occupies them. And there is very little room for this quality of love to reach them. And from them to the next generation and the next generation and so on. So in this process, I trace it back to where did this block, where is this block? And once we are able to identify and in some sense, dissolve the block, we are restoring the flow of this energy. We're restoring the flow of love that then reaches the person in front of me or the person who is asking for this healing. And when love reaches, all your plans, your best laid plans, which could not take off, suddenly get this fresh burst of life force energy and it takes off. So, Usha, if I go back to the idea of we each have this bag of either, I mean, ideally it should have been good emotions and good experiences which we experience and therefore our bag, if we experience everything good in our life and everything in our life was always good, our bag would be really light because we're not carrying that much trauma or negative experiences, right? And if that was the right. case, we would have so much space within us to pass love down to our children and their children, right? So if we didn't have, so if we weren't carrying such a heavy load, we would have the space within us to give love 
to our children who then pass it on. But unfortunately, within our bloodline, within our ancestral line, our ancestors themselves have been through so many difficulties, so many traumas that they're carrying, that instead of passing love down, which should have reached us, they pass down their bag, their baggage, which we took on, right? And as a right. result, we became drained of the energy that is like the energy of creation that allows us to create things and manifest and, you know, kind of like have this most beautiful life ahead of us, which and that beautiful life ahead of us needs the energy of love to fuel it. But because there's a block and we didn't get that love, we're kind of stuck. And that's why people feel really stuck in their lives, right? They're constantly working hard, but it's not it's not turning into something you know, their dreams don't come true, you know, what they wanted to happen, the opposite happens. So it's because the gas tank was empty. There was no gas to bring you to that destination. Right? Absolutely. Now, before we get to the next question, we're going to be right back after this short break. If you're a current podcaster or plan to create your own podcast soon, I want to share with you the tool that I use to help me monetize my podcast. It's called Podmetrics. Podmetrics is a platform that allows you to have full control of how you monetize your podcast. You can collab with brands and choose between the many merchants that fit your podcast's audience. It also gives you tips and samples on how to execute your ads properly to maximize your earning potential. Plus, you can track how many of your listeners you were able to convert and know how much you've earned in real time. Cashing out is also a breeze. So if you're a podcaster, make sure you sign up by clicking the link in the description of this episode and use my referral code, Project Loving Myself. One word, capital P, L, and M. So you can monetize your podcast too. Good luck. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, so 
what happens when this love goes missing? So you mentioned best laid plans. Like, for example, what you wanted to happen doesn't happen. You don't have the, the gasoline. You don't have the fuel. But what are some of the other things that ends up happening because of the block that's somewhere in our previous generations? See, one is, of course, we inherit not the love, but we inherit the trauma of the ancestors. And when we inherit it, there is, uh, that starts to play out in our own life. So that is one contribution, one aspect of what could happen. The other aspect is that because of the absence of this life force energy, the energy that really makes our life happen for us, because of the scarcity of that energy, uh, we end up experiencing a lot of frustration and disappointment. Because at the conscious level, we're really doing everything that, it is, that is required to be successful at whatever it is that we are planning for. And uh, that does somehow doesn't work out. So that then adds to the frustration and contribution uh, and disappointment and anger and all the other things that are likely to come into the picture because we are unable to move ahead. And when you say that, Usha, when you say that, you also mean relationships, you mean career, you mean even our health could be affected. Right. And when yes. you're saying you're looking to have success, it could be success in your health. It could be success in your relationships. It could be success in your career or financial or even, you know, fertility. It could be really anything which we desire is not necessarily going to happen the way we want because of that energy that's blocked or stuck some generations before us. Absolutely. Yes. So when I say success, in our life, it's just at the at the whole experience of living, you know, every aspect, our following our dreams, being able to get somewhere in our dreams, just being able to have peace of mind sometimes, you know, you just don't experience that inner peace and calm. Not all of us have it all the time, but even at least a few of the times that itself starts to feel like an illness. And then, of course, when you have all that energy that we have inherited plus our own contribution uh, as a consequence of not being able to move ahead, we are creating a lot of toxic energy within us. I call it toxic because it overstays. You know, it is one thing to experience disappointment and feel the disappointment in that moment. But if this becomes a chronic experience, we're just going through one disappointment after the other, then that, those feelings become toxins in our body, which results in illnesses, physical, mental, emotional, the stress that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis, the inability to deal with the pressures of life is also a consequence. It may not be one big thing that's just coming at us. It's just the inability to deal with the everyday demands of life, the chron chronic fatigue, constant nagging health issues this apart the big ones you know major illnesses financial constantly dealing with financial uh, issues um, uh, criminal issues because it takes us into all those areas where uh, that such toxic feelings could take us so we we end up attracting a lot of that a lot of what, uh, what is commonly referred to as illicit, 
you know, addictions, uh, crime, the tendency to participate in crime. And so not only are we experiencing it, so at some point it may lead us into those areas where we are involved in these kind of activities. So I don't want to make it sound like a doomsday prediction if you don't do a transgen <laughs> healing. <laughs> but having said that, <laughs> these are all the possibilities and these are common experiences at the end of the day. It may not, it may be happening to me, it could be happening to my neighbor, it could be happening to a friend or someone I know. It happens around us, all, all around us. So a lot of this is a consequence of not receiving sufficient life force energy. Because life force energy by the, its very name is life affirming. And what I mean by life affirming is almost like life is saying to you, that's right, you've got it. You've got it right. It affirms you. Life affirms you. So there are uh, a, there's a certain set of experiences which affirms us and we feel good about the life that we have. And when life force energy is depleted, then it takes us in the other direction. So Usha, what are the kinds of issues that seem to come up in your practice of, of transgen. So I remember from a lot of the, the workshops I've done with you, things like family secrets, illicit relationships, mistresses, illegitimate children, untimely death. I mean, those are the ones that come up to come to mind. But can you share some of the types of issues from our ancestors' time that tend to affect us quite yeah. impactfully? in a negative way in this life. Yes. Yeah, there are quite a few, all of those, <laughs> all the uh, horrible ones that come to our mind, most of it, <laughs> uh, we find uh, sometimes unexpectedly because we somehow think, you know, many of us tend to think that, oh, uh, we have had a fairly decent family and we come from a good family background, which most of, most of us do in our own, you know, uh, experience of our reality. But, the truth is that as human beings, our ancestors have possibly gone through every unmentionable human experience, just like anybody else. And there is a great possibility that our own ancestors have been in those places and participated. Uh, a lot of the times what comes up, apart from what you have already mentioned, there is a uh, suicide comes up often. Mm. The, the biggest trauma that gets transferred is abortion. Uh, I need to mention that abortion as against miscarriages, of course, is one thing. But whether it's abortion or miscarriage, when that life that was hoping to come through the mother of mother and was unable to come through either as a result of a medically terminated pregnancy or miscarriage, uh, that, there is huge trauma there. And very often we fail to recognize that even. So if those uh, unborn children have not been grieved, then that becomes a huge, huge baggage of trauma. And especially in our current lifestyle, I think I would like to specifically draw attention to this one because it's become such a common thing. I mean, it's in, parents hold the right to decide whether they want to have a child or not, but we need to acknowledge that and heal that. So that's one biggie. How about the even other Usha? Murders. Yes. Murders. Suicides. Suicides, murders, 
oppression, oppression, just domestic oppression. You know, when the wife does not get to, does not have a voice. And in, in some situations, the husband does not have a voice, is not allowed anything that has not been allowed in a very aggressive manner, in a very forceful manner, can become a trauma. So, you know, these very docile, compliant housewives who've been in a very difficult, complex family situation. So as such, maybe it doesn't cross our mind to count that as a trauma, you know, because, yes, she was a docile, quiet, simple homemaker, and she just did, took care of things at home. And it can pass away in that uh, under the radar. But what this woman has been going through and the number of times she has been suppressed and repressed, that becomes a big trauma. So that is one thing which uh, we tend to miss. What else? Land, land issues, wars, partitions, and you know, phenomena like that, that have happened to yeah. nations. See, I would like to bring one thing to uh, the table here, Sanaya. It's called transgenerational healing. But every human experience contributes to what can be transgenerational. So when our ancestors, if and when our ancestors have held certain ideas very strongly, they've got super attached to a certain identity, you know, of belonging to a certain nation or belonging to a certain community or uh, a religion, and that has become the cornerstone of who they were in their own lifetime. That has consequences. When these people hold on to such identities with such rigidity, unconsciously, they're actually excluding all other ways of life. Unconsciously, they're saying, this is the way to live. And everything else, I do not include in my life. So everything that is excluded, this could be one of the fundamental principles of what causes transgenerational trauma, any form of exclusion. So this could be like homosexuality. This could be, you know, anything that was not accepted by the family. So if you were the black sheep of the family, or if you pursued a career or marriage that was not approved by the family, that is already the grounds for a transgenerational trauma to begin Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Any form of exclusion, ethnicity, you know, ethnicity is a big matter of inclusion and exclusion, even today right. for that matter. So any form of exclusion creates a trauma and that could uh, get transferred. So in the context of like the country of the Philippines, right, the Filipino culture. So there is also a history of being colonized by the Spanish. So again, that colonial sort of influence or that that history also plays a role. Right. And um, big role. Big, big role. role. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, we have in our in our country, we have the, the mestizos, like the people who are intermarried from the Spanish blood. And then, so there's also some of that kind of influences. And another thing I wanted to bring up, which I think is very relevant for Filipinos, is the culture here of um, of children being raised by grandparents. Because, you know, as you know, in the Philippines, one of the biggest exports of our country is our people, 
right? So we have OFWs, overseas Filipino workers in pretty much every country in the world. And because the parents have to go out and earn the money, often mothers, they earn the money to support their families back home in the Philippines, their children are reared by their parents. So the children are reared by grandparents and sometimes not even grandparents, but uncles, aunties. Uh, we call mm. it like our tita or, or, or you know, or even like a distant relative sometimes, or sometimes even you hire people to take care of your children. So you can go overseas and work because you can make the money that gets sent back home, you know? And I know that this has showed up a lot in my um, healing sessions with my clients where I've worked with adults who were the product of that culture and suffered greatly because of that. While they had opportunities, they had the access to the funds maybe to get a good education and so on, but they got very, very deprived of the flow of love that should have come from their parents who were unfortunately working abroad. So I think that's another yes. thing that's a very transgenerational issue, Usha. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely a transgenerational issue because there is a trauma that has been created through this phenomenon, through this experience. Now, one thing we uh, need to keep in mind is this trauma can be healed in your current life itself, provided you acknowledge it and you allow yourself to to openly experience that grief, experience the pain, both from the parents and the children. And if you're able to address it, it does not have to become transgenerational. But yes, for the current generation, if they have this in their history and it had not been dealt with in this manner in the, in the lifetime of their ancestors or between them and their parents when they were still alive or whatever the situation may be, then yes, it becomes trauma. The good part is they have recognized it as trauma in their current life. Then it gives them the opportunity to heal and close it so that it does not get transferred to their own children right. or the children. Yeah. But I think what happens, and I think this will make also sense to a lot of people listening in, is what happens is as a child, your parents are not around let's say, because they're working abroad or your mother is not around because she's working abroad. Now, the child is raised to believe or reminded that they should be grateful, you know, mm -hmm. that the grandparents are there to take care of you and you should be grateful. You should not complain that your mother is not here because she's working so hard in another country for you. So children are actually made to feel ungrateful if they misbehave if they are upset, you know, if they cause any trouble to the grandparents. So there gets created a lot of shame and a lot of rejection, right? Yes. And also because grandparents sometimes have other things to also take care of other than the yes. children they are now raising who aren't their yes. children, right? They've already kind of yes. raised children. So it's a very different space. And sometimes the grandparents, because they come from a different generation, the way they are raising the child doesn't fit with the current generation's practices. Yes. Right? And, yes, then, and so a lot of children get traumatized or they get scarred because they can't cope with the way the grandparents are taking care of them. 
and there's a missing link. The actual parent is in a different country. And I, I'm actually stressing on this, Usha, because I remember my husband's transgen experience. I think it was his first transgen experience when you had visited Manila one of the years um, that we did it. And I remember, you know, I wanted to share the story with our listeners. So the story with my husband is um, he's the only child of his mother. And his father died of a heart attack when he was about four years old. Okay. So he was raised by a single mom. And his father was basically no longer there from age four onwards because he died. And he has a grandfather. Okay. And the story I remember at that point was I had talked, discussed with my husband how he feels very unsupported. Like he feels like he doesn't have a lot of support in his life. You know, like most he would say things like his friends have their father to guide them in business or to kind of like, you know, help them make those big decisions. Or the, if anything were to go wrong, his friends have their own fathers to fall back on. And my husband always grew up feeling like he has no, he has, he doesn't have a choice. He has to figure everything out because he's the man of the house. He's the only male. It's just him and his mother. And there's no support. And so even the idea of like, you know, making money and doing business, he would feel kind of unsupported. And though his grandfather was there, there was a bit of a disconnect in the way the, the grandfather would run the business and the way my husband wanted to do business, you know, and there was some like conflict in communication. And it was kind of like the grandfather is the stand in for the father he lost, but there was still something missing there. And I remember in Transgen, what you explained to us is that the untimely death of my husband's father broke the chain of love. And so now you have a grandfather and a grandson, but the missing link, the father in between is gone. So love is not flowing from the grandfather into the son because, I mean, the, the love from the grandfather was not flowing to my husband, the grandson, because the father is gone. And so what you helped us do in this healing is to, to heal that death in the family. Maybe he was not properly grieved and mourned by his wife, which is my husband's mother, and also my husband himself. And as a result, after the transgen healing, I noticed my husband started to feel more supported in his life. And interestingly mm -hmm. enough, I think a month later, there were, uh, within one to two months, two people were hired by my husband. Like they kind of came to my husband for a job. And these two men became my husband's left and right hand in the business. One became sort of his now GM. And the other one is his most important sales person in the business. And so... It was so amazing that after Transgen, my husband got support from these two people who are his employees, but they became big sources of support to him in his business. And I believe one or two years after that, maybe a year after that, we had a son, my first child, yeah. and we yeah. had a second son. So my, my husband had two sons. And you know how they say the son carries the father. 
And yes. I remember, I mean, I remember connecting this back to the transgen that not only did my husband now have two very reliable people who he's very close to, who helps him do his business. He relies on them quite a bit. He feels their support, but he also has two sons that are also like his left and right hand, you know, like these are the, the two loves of his life well, until, until we had our baby girl now. But it was just amazing that he started off alone, feeling very alone. And now he has this amazing support in his life. And it happened after transgen. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's really uh, brought in so much of abundance, you know, that's literally, that's exactly a very good example of what I mean when I say the flow of love and love being the fuel that makes your life successful. So while it might seem very regular that a person gets married and has children, but in his own context, this is a clear manifestation of abundance, you know? yeah. especially in the area where he experienced lack. Now there is abundance. There are so many people to support him. And if I remember right, I also uh, remember having a conversation where you said, uh, the grandfather and he have become really, uh, I mean, that the quality of that relationship also changed after this. Yes, it was really interesting because after transgen, they were always close growing up, but there was some conflicts that happened related to work, family dynamics. There were a lot of conflicts. And after transgen, again, a situation happened, I believe, where my husband's grandfather actually moved in with us while my husband was renovating his home at that time. So we were renovating his grandfather's home. So we had a chance for him to actually move in with us for like a year and a half, a year. And it was the most beautiful time together in the house. We would have these late night conversations with his grandfather. I mean, there was just so much love and joy, communication, closeness. And it's true the relationship with his grandfather was very, very special. It grew to be, I think, my husband's biggest strength is that love from his grandfather, I think, started to come very, very smoothly and very clearly into my husband's space. And I think up until the time that his grandfather passed, which was last year during the pandemic, uh, excuse me, it was this year during the pandemic, his grandfather passed quite recently, we really have these beautiful memories that I think we wouldn't have had had this trauma in the family of the father's untimely death had it not been healed. Yes. And, and my husband's grandfather kept saying in the last couple of years how much he loves my husband, how, he, how my husband is sort of like, you know, he's so proud of him. He that approval you talked about approval yes. acceptance yes. all of that yes. came in for my husband and his grandfather repeatedly verbally in all his action really showed demonstrated his love his approval his acceptance his admiration of my husband to a point where I think my husband fulfilled the dreams that he lost when his own son died. Because at the end of the day, yes, my husband lost his father, but his grandfather lost his only son. And I think my husband became that son and he was able to really give his grandfather that 
love as a son and that experience of you know being proud of your your son being you know watching your son grow up and turn into a wonderful man my my husband's grandfather got that and i think that was his biggest sense i think it gave him so much peace that when he did pass i don't think he left behind any regrets cuz he knew that my husband would take care of the whole family and he said that you know like he said that he knows that my husband will take care of everybody even his aunts even his you know other grandchildren he left feeling very very proud of my husband it was really a beautiful beautiful healing it's beautiful so yeah. happy to hear this um, so beautiful so so very beautiful and i can i can see uh, the abundance that's reaching your sons and daughter now yeah you know through all this it's uh, it's something that is uh, for you to to enjoy through your own lifetime and there's so much of this that you can happily transfer to your children yes and you know usha a lot of financial a lot of financial abundance came in a lot of manifestation ability came in because the flow of love was restored as you mentioned so, so it's yes. true it wasn't just in the relationships it wasn't just you know in the people he attracted into his life and his children it was also physical abundance manifestation there was more power i could feel in my husband to create yes. what he wants to create so it really i think is a testament to what you've already talked about that yes. you know these are the kind of things that can happen from a healing now usha i want to ask you one more thing before we kind of close the the conversation and it's something i find very important about transgen you talk about the role of fate yes okay and i'm going to spell that out cuz you know some people might might hear it as faith but it's f a t e the role of fate in our life and i know that we bring in this idea or the energy of the concept the understanding of fate in a healing can you elucidate that concept like can you talk a little bit more about how that works and what role it plays in the healing right right fate is the other uh, very very powerful idea that uh, is included and is essential for any healing to happen uh, in transgenerational healing it's kind of happens in a very obvious way right in front of us fate is fate is representative or this is the way i mean it when i use the word fate it is representative of those aspects those experiences of our life over which we had no control when they were happening it represents those experiences that we go through in life that we do not have the power to change for example just going back to what you just shared from your own life uh, the untimely death of uh, your father in law your husband's father now nothing can be done today about what happened we don't have the power to change it so that is what i refer to as fate and when we encounter situations like that obviously it's going to generate a lot of emotions a lot of grief sadness even anger uh, a sense of being let down by one's own parents probably 
although we may not be able to call it out as such uh, or uh, you know articulate it now we're left with so many emotions so fate is that uh, that aspect where we acknowledge that yes this has happened to me yes this is the way i'm feeling about it but i also recognize that i need to let it go because no amount of righteous anger or righteous grief can reverse or change that which has already happened so fate largely refers to that which has already happened over which we have no control over which we have no power but we are left holding a lot of emotions towards it so another way of saying it very simply is the ability to accept that which has happened the ability to acknowledge that i am feeling a certain way towards what happened and the willingness to say okay now i recognize that it is time to let this go because while my grief my anger or whatever else that situation generated in me is valid rather was valid at that time every emotion so let me just go back a bit and uh, say this because this is very important as a part of healing every human emotion is valid when it comes up in us in the moment you know going back to what you uh, how you started this conversation about speaking about the moment not the past not the future in this moment if i'm having an encounter with life and it generates a certain emotion in me in the moment it is valid every human emotion is valid however every human emotion has an expiry date after a point it stops being legitimate to continue to feel that way so when we arrive there we need to know that this is it okay it happened to me i felt this way when it was happening i felt this way all this time after it happened but now i'm ready to let it go or i'm willing to let it go and we let it go to fate so fate then becomes representative of life that has gone by over which now we can do nothing and we just need to let go of the residue of that experience that we are still carrying so fate becomes representative of that process very often the biggest obstacle to healing is the question why why did this happen to me why me so that too is uh, attributed to fate why me we don't know why this we don't know but acknowledging okay now i carried this long enough i'm ready to let it go then we return to fate what belongs to fate fate brought me that experience i felt this way about this experience now i'm ready to say i return to fate what belongs to fate right 
So Usha, it reminds me actually of our children as something I, I remembered. Like when my four-year-old falls down, scrapes his knee, right? It might even bleed. There might be like a wound. He'll cry in that moment because he got hurt, right? But then we put a Band-Aid and he's off running again. He's forgotten about that knee scrape. He's over it. He cried in that moment. Yes. He felt really bad. And then he went on with his life. And it doesn't stop him from riding the bike again uh, from which he fell off, right? He continues to do it. He enjoys himself. He's not going to stop playing just because he fell down. Okay. Unfortunately, we all grew up from that point and became adults. And instead of, you know, crying over that experience, as you said, in that moment, we started to say, well, why did that happen? That's not fair. Why did they do this to me? I hate this person. I resent this person, you know, and then we started to hold on these feelings and we kept remembering and replaying that event. And that's how we never let it go. So that's really what you're talking about, right? Is if it was ideal, we would be like the, that child that fell, got hurt, cried, and then forgot about it and went on with their life, right? But instead, we became the adult that started to obsess or think about it. And we just never let it go to the point that it's kind of that same incident is, incident is playing out in our life constantly. It's like we left the, like we, it's almost like we played a song. And then we never turned it off. And it's just playing in the background over and over yeah. and over again to a point where we tune it out. We don't even hear it anymore. So those are the traumas. That's it. That's exactly how it works. And additionally, unfortunately for us, every time we replay it, there's this another bout of the same kind of energy that is released in our body. Right. So if it is an experience that has caused hurt feelings or wounded feelings every time i replay it i feel wounded all over again right. and all and this this goes all the way to the chemicals in our body which is what leads uh, leads to physical health conditions you know because every time we are regenerating those same chemicals those same feelings the same energies and just filling ourselves up with that kind of toxicity and that is why i say it becomes toxic after a point it becomes toxic so to illustrate that again, to give an example, so let's say I think about something that happened in my past and I feel sad and or I feel stressed about it, right? Because obviously it's going to create stress in my body when I'm thinking about a negative event in my past. Then my body starts releasing cortisol, okay? And the cortisol keeps getting released every time I think about that. And then now I have way too much cortisol in my body, which is going to now cause like an additional load in my body. There's too much cortisol. Now my body's going to have to work twice as hard to get rid of that cortisol or to do something about it. And it puts a strain on my organs. It might put a strain on my adrenal glands because it's overproducing cortisol because I'm constantly stressed thinking about what had already stressed me previously. And so this is how we end up getting sick because of the traumas of our past. So. That's just something to, to make this a little bit more tangible or real to all of you listening out there. So Usha, this actually brings me to the very last question that I like to ask. Uh, I like to ask my guests, which is given everything we've talked about today, Usha, what would you like to leave our guests with in terms of your project loving myself message or mantra to them? What would you like to tell them to kind of like, 
maybe bring together everything we've talked about and help them to kind of avoid this kind of a transgenerational trauma from being created? What would you say to them as a message of, of love or positivity? You know, the, your, the project Loving Myself is uh, such a powerful message by itself. And uh, in the context of what we have spoken today, I think one of the most powerful ways that you can love yourself is to make sure that you bring consciously bring a closure to all experiences that you go through, take charge of your life, take charge of the emotions that you go through, and wherever it is required, make sure that you bring a closure to these experiences so that you do not, not only carry a residue within you, but you also not transfer your issues and your unclosed processes to your uh, progeny, to your children and grandchildren. I think this is the best way that you can love yourself and love the children and love your progeny. You know, I was thinking exactly that, Usha. Like I was, I was thinking in my head, that's what I would take from today's episode is the idea that, you know, of course, experience your happiness, your joy, feel everything in every way possible, but do not deny yourself the negative feelings, right? Like if you need to grieve, then cry and grieve. If you need to feel sad, feel it completely, acknowledge it, but don't now get stuck in it, you know? So we don't want it. We don't want that extreme, but feel everything, you know, Absolutely. embrace every emotion, positive or negative, and then move on. Embrace it. Be okay to allow it to begin with, experience it fully, be okay to feel the pain of sadness or grief or whatever it is that you're going through. And when you're done, bring a conscious end to that process. Right. You know, not, yes, live it fully, experience it fully, whatever it might be that comes up in the moment and consciously bring an end to it and then move on. Right. I think society makes us feel like we can't feel sad or it's wrong to like cry or grieve or, you know, like you were expected to be happy. Like when people say, how are you today? Yes. Nobody wants to hear, oh, I'm not feeling good. Or no one wants to yes. hear this is the I'm having a bad day. They want you to just say, oh yeah, fine. Okay. Right. That's the acceptable answer. Nobody wants to hear about your problems, you know, and I'm not saying you should go around telling everyone your problems, but I think you should be okay with, acknowledging how you feel, deal with it, as you said, you know, and I think that for me is a really great reminder and such an important message from today's episode. Usha, thank you so much for sharing all these amazing ideas, your understanding of karmic baggage of transgen. I mean, I think it is something very, very interesting, very, very important for us to know about. And I think it also kind of frees us from uh, a lot of these why questions that we tend to yeah. bounce around in our minds. So thank you for, for being here with me on this episode, Usha. Now, may I ask you, Usha, to share any um, details you would like with our listeners? How do they reach you, get in contact with you, maybe tell them a little bit more about the kind of things you offer um, before we, we say goodbye? 
Sure. Thank you, firstly, Israel, for uh, inviting me on this uh, to this conversation. It's a wonderful conversation to have. Uh, one of my most favorite topics to talk about. So uh, every opportunity that I get to talk about it, I I enjoy it. And uh, of course, to connect with you and have this happen with you is an additional pleasure. So thank you so much for having me. So I have I work out of in I work quite extensively all over the globe actually I uh, travel and conduct workshops of course that is there has not been so much of that in these last two years but I think a lot of information about my work can be accessed through my website which is uh, mishkat.com uh, mishkat is spelled as m-i-s-c-h-k-a-t dot com uh, so uh, that's where you can go and read up a little bit about the work that I'm doing I'm also doing a lot of organizational work now. A lot of this is coming into organizational spaces. You know, big offices and corporates are slowly bridging the gap between holistic living and corporate life. So sure. a lot of work is happening there. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can go and read up a little bit about what I do. And I will tag the website as well in all our socials. So thank you again, Usha, and lots of love to you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of love to you too. So what did you think of transgenerational healing? I'm sure you were thinking of the kinds of issues that you grew up hearing about in your own families. Share your stories, your thoughts, and even your questions on social media platforms, tagging at Project Loving Myself Podcast and at Sanaya Grunemal. I'd love to answer any of the questions that you have about transgen. I've done so many workshops with Usha, and I've really kind of learned a lot, and I'm happy to share whatever I know about it. You have my gratitude for hitting the follow button for me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to drop me a rating. Let me know if you enjoyed today's episode and if you want more episodes like this one. Our quote for this episode is, We're all ghosts. We all carry inside of us people who came before us. And this is by Liam Callanan. So go ahead and ponder that. We are in fact the products of the generations of our ancestors. And it is up to us to make the choices that will impact the future generations ahead of us. And we will be their ancestors. So let's make sure we don't give them too much to heal from. And I like to ask myself in this regard, is this the example that I want to set for my kids, for the future generations? And sometimes just by asking that question, you know, we tend to make different choices, especially when we know that somebody else is going to be impacted or even someone else is watching. So thank you for joining me this week on Project Loving Myself, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Podmetrics. You are loved. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.